Welcome to Kevin Connors podcast. This series of messages on the book of Ezekiel were recorded in Malaysia in August 2010. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentary on the book of Ezekiel, available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. I like the number seven. I'm on the way to heaven. That's my sound test. Well, good evening, everybody. Everybody have a good day. That's wonderful. So good to see you all here again. Uh, So we're going to move right into our time together. So uh, let's just take a few moments to review what we uh, uh, looked at last night. Some people got here so early they were almost cheating (laughs) and and getting the answers for tomorrow. That's way ahead. All right, so uh, last night uh, in our first session, just a brief review here, we looked at uh, Luke chapter 24 and just the necessity of the Lord opening our eyes, opening the scriptures, and then opening our understanding. How many can say amen to that? And that's our prayer again tonight. And then in our first session, we looked at the OT survey, Old Testament survey of Ezekiel, just a big overview of 10 main uh, things concerning the book. And then in our second session, we looked at the sevenfold commission, uh, or as you've got here, Old Testament survey, we did the overview. Then number two, Ezekiel's call and commission, and the seven things pertaining to that. Uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at the glory leaving the Old Testament temple. And then in our second session, we're going to be looking at prophecies concerning the Gentile nations. So maybe uh, the next thing, yes. So just to review what we're looking at, uh, number uh, the last night, the Lord opened heaven. So there must be open heavens. And then from open heavens, we have visions of God, the word of the Lord coming expressly to, spe- uh, uh, to Ezekiel, and then the hand of the Lord that was upon him, spirit of the Lord entered into him, and then he had to eat the book, the scroll of the book, and then he was given a divine charge. So they are the things we basically looked at last night. And that covered chapters 1 through uh, to 3. All right, now tonight we're going to look at the glory leaving the old covenant temple and uh, uh, yeah, the, the, just the high spots of that. Now, what I want you to think of here, because uh, I'm going to give you some material that's not uh, in your text. You can take down your notes. You'll notice that the book of Ezekiel opens with the vision of the old temple and the glory of God leaving the temple, and then it closes with the vision of a new temple, and that's what we've got to look at on Sunday. Is it a literal temple or spiritual, or what's it all about? So the, the, the book opens and closes, opens with the old temple and the glory departing, and it closes with the new temple and the glory of God returning. Uh, that uh, gives you an overview. And remember that Ezekiel was a priest. All right, now just by way of introduction here, uh, how many have ever put a, a jigsaw puzzle together? Hands up. Uh, how many have never put a puzzle together? You're that poor? I'll, I'll buy you one if you want me to. Okay, uh, so I, I use this illustration quite a bit really, that the, the Bible to me is like a, a divine jigsaw puzzle. And so when you're putting a puzzle together, the first thing you do is just lay out all the parts of the puzzle. And then uh, as you're putting the puzzle together, you don't pick up a part and say, oh, I don't know where that fits, throw it away. <laughs> and then pick up another pit, uh, bit and say, oh, I don't know where that fits, throw it away. How many know if you keep doing that, you'll have no puzzle by the time you're through? <laughs> but as somebody told me many, many years ago, over 100 years ago, I think now, um, just said, look, if I say things that you don't understand or you don't believe, don't throw it away. Put it on the shelf. And somewhere down the line, God will have some ministry that will just sort of bring them and say, oh, that's where it fits. So when you're putting the puzzle together, you don't force the parts or you'll distort the picture. So to me, the Bible is just uh, like uh, God's divine jigsaw puzzle. And uh, many times you don't know where this scripture fits or that one fits. And if you try to force it, you distort the scriptures. But uh, as, as this brother said to me years ago, just put it on the shelf. And so over the years, I've had so many things on the shelf. And as different ministries have come along, apostles, prophecy, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and so forth, and say, oh, that's where that fits. You don't force the part. So, so tonight, as we're doing right through uh, our sessions together, we're sort of putting a, a part of the divine jigsaw puzzle, 
puzzle together. We're not going to force the scriptures or distort it in any way. So tonight we want to look at the glory of God leaving the old covenant temple. Now, please keep in mind, because as I said last night, each of the sessions build on the previous sessions. So in order to help us when we get to the, uh, uh, the most controversial part of uh, Ezekiel's uh, chapters 40 through to 48 on the new covenant temple or the uh, is it a rebuilt temple and so forth. So uh, we need to keep in mind what we're doing on that tonight. All right, now the, the pages that I want you to look at and uh, you can fill in your own notes because we're going to do that further uh, in, your, in your textbook. Uh, pages, uh, let's see, pages 17 and 18. So just why don't you glance at them? They're the two pages we'll sort of uh, uh, be talking about tonight uh, that you'll be taking more of your own notes. So page 17, and uh, here we have a vision uh, of the temple, the uh, just an idea of the temple, the most holy place where the glory of God was, and then the temple, the holy place, uh, and, and what happened there, and then the outer court and the two great courts in the temple of Solomon as it was there, uh, the inner court and the outer court, and the particular articles of furniture. And then uh, when we come to, the, uh, I'll tell you when we're going to, go to page 18, and uh, we're going to go through in, in due time, so uh, just give you the idea where we're going. Uh, we're going to look at the five steps uh, in the departing of the Shekinah glory and why that all happened. So page 17 and 18 is what we're going to be looking at tonight. All right, now, what I want you to do here uh, is, is this, that many times, you know, over the years, uh, uh, we sing lots of songs about the glory of God and the glory is here, and I've heard preachers say, oh, the glory is here. Uh, but many times these things can be just uh, become ab abstract things. Well, what do you mean by the glory? What do you mean? Say, oh, the glory is here. Oh, the glory. Don't you feel the glory? Well, what are you talking about? So this is what we want to talk about at the start here. All right, I want you, uh, in order to understand uh, Ezekiel's situation as the priest now, that, uh, he's taken in Babylon captivity, as we've seen. Uh, Jeremiah is still up in Jerusalem, ministering at the temple. It's not quite destroyed, and not as yet destroyed. And uh, Ezekiel's down in Babylon, and uh, he's ministering to the captives there. All right, so we want to look at the glory, but I want to go back to the uh, Temple of Solomon. So I want you to look at several scriptures with me here and uh, in a moment. So as we said last night, the glory, and it's in, in your notes there, the, this, this expression, the glory, is used about 18 times in the book of Ezekiel. And uh, in chapters 1 through to 11, which deal with it, it's used about 12 times, and then the word or the expression of the glory is not used. Wait until uh, we get uh, down to um, uh, chapters 43, which we'll be looking at uh, uh, on Sunday. All right, now I want you to go back with me and bear with me. I make no apology for reading the scripture, just so we get the picture. We're talking about the glory leaving the old covenant temple. I want you to go back to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5. So as we uh, read uh, several scriptures here, Second, cha uh, Second Chronicles chapter 5, we remember, or maybe we don't, it was David that was given the revelation of the temple, not Solomon. David received it from the Lord, the pattern of the temple and the design of it and all the furnishings, everything like that. But he passed the vision on to Solomon. So David had the vision of the house of the Lord, the vision of the temple, but he never built it. That was given to Solomon because uh, David was a man of war and had shed much blood. Solomon was a man of peace. So let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 5. And uh, I, I, what we're looking at here, we're going back to the beginning and the glory of Solomon's temple, some things there, because Ezekiel is now seeing, going to see that temple destroyed, same as uh, Jeremiah is. So Second Chronicles chapter 5. And uh, we'll go to the, uh, uh, some of the important things about the dedication of, of Solomon's temple and then talk about the glory. Okay, the house of the Lord. So Second Chronicles <coughs> chapter 5 and uh, verse 11. We'll pick up 
And it came to pass when the priests would come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the, uh, and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman Heman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen. So you, this is all has to do with the dedication of Solomon's temple. So they're clothed in uh, white linen at the east end of the altar. Think of the east, the sunrise in the glory of God, and uh, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 sounding uh, priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it come to pass when the... Uh, when the trumpeters, trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the instruments and cymbals and instruments uh, with the trumpets, pardon me, and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with, with a cloud, the, 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 the glory cloud. The Hebrews call it the Shekinah glory cloud, the Shekinah, so that the priest could not continue ministry because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So here we have the dedication of Solomon's temple, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the trumpeters and singers all there with one accord, one place. Now, if you're taking down just the uh, brief notes on here, Second Chronicles chapter 6 is Solomon's prayer. And uh, just a tremendous prayer, a model prayer, uh, right through that whole chapter as he's appealing to God and that the presence of God would remain in that place. Now let's go to chapter 7, <coughs> Second Chronicles 7, and we'll just read the first uh, three verses. And the language is so uh, awesome uh, in, my, in my mind here. <coughs> So verse 1 says, and uh, New King James here, when Solomon had finished praying. So chapter 6 is Solomon's dedicatory prayer, and what a tremendous prayer it is. Uh, you could spend hours on what, what he's praying there. If only he'd, he'd remembered it. So when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. So prayer preceded the fire. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and then out of the fire, the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory had filled the Lord's house. Then notice verse 3, the response of the people. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory, so the fire and the glory, so the glory of God, the fire actually came out from the glory, so when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, what did they do? They bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Wow, what a powerful meeting. So we go way back there several hundred years ago to the building of, of Solomon's temple, the house of the Lord, the dedication and everything like that. And then we find that they, uh, they brought, brought in the ark of God. Uh, and, 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 and as they brought in the ark of God, the glory cloud filled the place. And then out from the glory came the fire and burned on the offering. What a tremendous time. Now, let's just run over... Uh, and I'll just give you the main scripture on this. It, it, as you study these chapters, the dedication of Solomon's temple took place in the Feast of Tabernacles. Not the Feast of Pentecost, not the Feast of Passover, but the Feast of Tabernacles. A lot could be said on that because historically the church had a Feast of Passover in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then historically the church had the Feast of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost. But the church has never fully entered into the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the final harvest, and so many things involved there. In fact, I think it's uh, uh, Cease who says, the church is yet to enter into the Feast of Tabernacles. We've had Passover, when we accept Christ as a Passover lamb. We've had Pentecost, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Feast of Tabernacles, he said it's a feast that's never been fulfilled in the church. All right, now let's go way over, and I'll just give you the reference mainly in a moment. You, you compare the scene in Second Chronicles chapter 5, 6, and 7 with ha what happens in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Uh, first of all, 
on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4, if you're taking down notes. Acts chapter 2, 1 through to 4. The disciples, uh, they had been praying for 10 days, so prayer. And as they were praying, they were praying for the Holy Spirit. Jesus had gone back to the Father in Acts chapter 1, and in Acts chapter 2, now the Holy Spirit is coming down. And see, John the Baptist foretold that we would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire not many days hence because the Holy Spirit becomes the presence and the glory of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory in the new covenant, in the new temple. So here we have in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1 and 2, the Feast of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the disciples had been praying for 10 days uh, and they were of one accord in one place. And uh, um, what happened there? I just can't read my writing. I write in tongues. Um, <laughs> which needs interpretation. So on the day of Pentecost, a mighty rushing wind filled the place and tongues of fire. So what I believe happened is on the day of Pentecost, because you see, the church is the new covenant temple. As we're going to see later on, God is no longer interested in material temples. He was after the church and we are the temple of God. So here on the day of Pentecost, uh, the, the Holy Spirit comes a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. And so what I believe happened that the, like the Shekinah glory cloud, the fire of God, the, the glory uh, presence of Shekinah filled the upper room. And then we're told that there were cloven tongues like a fire, so like as a fire, and sat on the head of each of them, the men and the women. And how significant this was, there was 120 trumpeters in the dedication of Solomon's temple of one accord and one place and making one sound. And on the, on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 disciples who were of one accord in one place when the Holy Spirit, the glory of God came down and they began to speak in tongues. So we have a, 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 the Old Testament, the material temple, and then we have the New Testament, the spiritual temple, and such a correspondence except Solomon's temple was dedicated in the Feast of Tabernacles and the church, the temple of God, was dedicated in the Feast of Pentecost. But the number 120, one accord, one place, as they began to speak in other tongues. And uh, what a tremendous dedication service. All right, now, put down Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. We won't turn to it. Matthew chapter 3, 11, where John the Baptist promised, he said, I baptize you with water, but uh, when Jesus comes, the Messiah, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All right, now I want to give you a definition. What do we mean by the glory? So it's, it's used a number of times, 18 times here. So this is the definition I have. So back there, we looked at the dedication of Solomon's temple and the glory of God. So God intended his glory and presence to remain, remain there until, until Jesus came. And, and he built the church because the church was going to replace any material temple. God only dwelt in the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, the temple of Solomon. He dwelt in these material places until Jesus came and then he built the church because God's always wanted to live inside of us. We are the temple of God and God is no longer interested in material buildings. This, is, this building is a great building. Everybody said amen. Uh, is it paid for? Uh, good. Boy, God does have favorites, doesn't he? But you see, this building is not the church. Well, I wish we could break the traditions, you know, the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, and uh, the, 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 this building's the sheep shed where all the sheep meet. And all the sheep? <laughs> Wonderful. So you didn't come to church tonight, you are the church. And we've just got to break this tradition that a building, the material building, is never once used, it's used to people. We are the church, you are the church, the people of God. Everybody said amen. So he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here's a definition of the, the, the word the glory. What do we mean by the glory? I'll, I'll read it out and give you time to take it down. If your pens are smoking, we have fire extinguishers. 
Okay, so the glory means the visible light and manifestation of the presence of God. So let's take that down uh, because it's going to help us on the next uh, thing we want to look at. So the visible light and manifestation of the presence of God. And this glory, the visible, manifest, uh, visible light and manifestation of the presence of God that stood between the cherubim and the bloodstained mercy seat. If you look at your diagram uh, on page 17, I've just put a simple illustration there. So when the glory came down, when they put the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place and uh, the cloud filled the temple and the glory came down and fire came out from the glory and burnt the the sacrifices there so where did the glory of God dwell the very presence of God the manifestation of God's presence it was on the cherubim and the bloodstained mercy seat in the holiest of all that's what I want you to get so w when we speak of the glory we're talking about uh, back there on uh, uh, in the Old Testament the visible light and manifestation of the presence of God that was between the cherubim and the bloodstained mercy seat in the holiest of all. That's it. As I said before, the Hebrews called it the Shekinah. So we think of the Shekinah glory. So it's simply the presence of God. And as I said before, you see, God dwelt in the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, tabernacle, uh, temple of Solomon, all these material places until Christ came and he said, I'll build my church because he always wanted to be in us, in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the Holy Spirit in us that is the presence of God. And all of us should be carriers of the presence of God. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. So that when, when people see us and meet us, they say there's something different about us. Uh, and I think it was Ian Thomas that said, uh, when they see how you behave, they want to ask the question, say, who is it in you that makes you behave like that? It's Christ in you. The glory of God, the presence of God. That's what we're talking about. All right, so uh, put down a couple of scriptures. So all the New Testament shows that the church is the temple of God uh, and we're to be filled with the glory of God. Okay, just 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 to 20. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 to 20. So Christ in the hope of glory, and God wanted his uh, presence to be in the Old Testament temple, as I said, till Jesus came. All right, now I want to, uh, on page, um, yeah, page 18, was it? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Page 18, yes, page 18. Uh, you can look at that diagram, and we're going to work through some scriptures. And what we want to talk about now is the five steps in the departing of the glory of God. So, dedication Solomon's temple, tremendous time, powerful time. And then over the years, something happened that caused God's glory to leave the temple. And Ezekiel is getting this vision. Now, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll refer to this later on, but you just think... Jeremiah is up in Jerusalem, standing in the temple gates, we're going to look at that later on, ministering to the people and giving them uh, uh, the, 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 the things that they've violated, that are causing the presence of God, the glory of God to leave the temple. Ezekiel is down in Babylon and he's having a vision uh, all within the, 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 the same related years. So uh, Jeremiah up in, in, in Jerusalem, ministering at the temple and reproving the people, and here uh, Ezekiel is having visions in Babylon of the glory leaving the temple. Okay, so I want to start off with step number one in a moment. But I want you, I, I want you to bear with me and look at the scriptures here. I could just give them to you, but it's important that you look at them. Okay, so let's go to the glory. So step number one, you can put here. So I've got the steps here, or you can uh, put it on your notes, however. So the five steps in the departing glory, and then we'll see why, and then its application to the church in these days. So number one, I want you to put uh, the glory on the ark, uh, the ark of the covenant. Yeah, there's glory on the ark of the covenant. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter one, and I'll, I'll give you a number of scriptures here. So Ezekiel chapter one, 
and we'll go to verse 28. All right, uh, in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, Ezekiel's had the vision of the Lord, and we go to verse 28. And he said, Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around about it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So he's had this tremendous vision of the four living ones, four creatures and so forth, and he says this is what it was like, the rainbow and the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel 1, 28. Let's go to the next scripture, chapter 3 and verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. And it says here, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from His place. Now His place was in the holiest of all, the very presence of God. Then go to verse 23 and 24. Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, as the glory which I saw by the river of Cheba, and I fell there on my face. So the glory of the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter, uh, not Acts, uh, Ezekiel, sorry. Chapter 8 and verse 4. And uh, we'll... we'll uh, We'll read few, uh, from verse 1 here, just to get the picture. So, Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass in the, in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah, we saw this last night, how Ezekiel had a house down in Babylon, and the elders would come to him uh, for the word of order. As I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness, like the appearance of fire. So we have this again. From the appearance of his waist and downward fire, and from his waist and upward like the appearance of bright, brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God. So you note the language there. Uh, same again as in his commission. Uh, visions of God to, uh, to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seed of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to, to jealousy. And verse 4, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain. So the glory of God. And then uh, uh, chapter, chapter 9, verse 3. Chapter 9, verse 3. And uh, it says here, And the glory, now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up. I uh, want you to note that expression, it had gone up, because it's, it's the beginning of, the, of God leaving. Uh, gone up from the cherub where it had been in the thresh, uh, to the threshold of the temple, and he called to the man clothed and who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. Okay, and then chapter 10, just the last reference on this part. So right through the first uh, few chapters, we have the glory of God, the vision of the glory of God, the presence, the Shekinah glory. Chapter 10 and verse 3, and we're told then, uh, verse, uh, yeah, verse 3. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. So the main thing I want you to pick there in step number one is, uh, as Ezekiel sees, he sees the glory of God on the ark of the cherubim in the very most holy place. All right, so that's where the glory is. So step number two, and if you look at your diagram on page 18, well that's what we're following through, Step number two, the glory of God, and, and, and you'll notice that God is very reluctant. He doesn't want to leave. He's silently, reluctantly, and he, uh, really unnoticed, he's leaving the temple. He doesn't want to, but he's reluctant. So step number two on this diagram here, or on your notes there, is that he departs from the, the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim, and the, the next step he takes 
is to the threshold of the house. Let me give you the same scripture again. Chapter 10, chapter 10 of Ezekiel, verse 18. And I want you to notice one word here I'm reading from authorized here. So in verse 18 and 19 it says, Then the glory of the Lord departed. Everybody say departed. Okay. So God is leaving. He doesn't want to. He's been over the cherubim and the bloodstained mercy seat for years, but now something's happened that's causing him to leave. We'll see the practical application of, of this in time. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels also were beside them, and everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them above. So the glory of God departing, so departed. Okay, step number three, the glory of God is going to leave further, and in step number three, we go to chapter 11, and uh, step number three is, uh, let's see what I've got here. Step number three, uh, where are we here? The, the, the glory of God now leaves the threshold of the house and goes to the midst of Jerusalem as a city. So if you can just picture, as I've done on the diagram there, it leaves the cherubim, goes to the threshold, now it goes from the threshold uh, to the east gate of the Lord's house, as you see there, and this is found in chapter 11 chapter 11 and verses 22 and 23 uh, a little portion of it uh, chapter 11 verse 23 and 23 then it says in verse 23 and the glory of the Lord went up so it departed and he went up from the midst of the city and notice the significance of this he stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city let me say what the mountain was as far as we can understand, it's Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives. This will be more meaningful to us in due time. Step number four, the glory now leaves, so as on the diagram, it goes over the wall of the city, goes over uh, Kedron, and so uh, it goes to uh, the mount on the east side, Mount Olivet, 1123, which I've just read. Then step number five, the, the glory of God, as far as we can gather, it leaves Mount Olivet and goes back to heaven. And this is found in uh, chapter 11, verse 23 again. Um, that's the one I think I want. Yes, we assume. Uh, afterwards, the... I'm sorry, verse 23. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, stood on the mountain which is on the east side of the city. And so as you've got on your diagram, the mount on the east of the city was the Mount of Olives, and we assume that it's from here the glory of God departs. So step by step, leaving the cherubims, coming to the threshold, and then going to the east gate of the Lord's house, then going over the wall of the city, and you'll notice on your diagram the book Kedron, Kedron and then going to Mount Olives from where we assume it goes back to heaven. All right, now, how's that all going to help us here? Okay, uh, let me just go to the whiteboard and see if I can uh, draw a little bit here. When you, when you go to the New Testament, this is what you find, the, the fulfillment of it. Just put down here John chapter 2, and then Matthew chapter 21, and 23, and 24. In between, we have the three and a half years ministry of Jesus. Now, it's very significant that when Jesus came, he, he came to the material temple that had been restored by Herod. And at the beginning and end of his ministry, he cleansed the temple. The first temple, and I'd like you to go over to John. So we're going from Old Testament picture and New Testament picture. So John chapter 2. So bear with me on the jigsaw puzzle. Everybody breathing still? Okay, John chapter 2, and uh, let's look at this. So Jesus has come, so, you know, the temple has been rebuilt and restored after the Babylon captivity, 
And uh, the last prophecy of Malachi was that the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple, but who may abide the day of his coming? So he, he was to come to the temple. Now the temple has been restored under the restoration prophets, but notice what happens in John chapter 2, the beginning of his ministry. And uh, verse 13 we'll pick up. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. You never go down to Jerusalem, you go up. And he found in the temple those who had sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to the, those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house, everybody say my father's house. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. And that's good. We like that expression. What's eating you? Zeal for God's house. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? See, Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this denomination. Oh, sorry, uh, light is bad up here. 46 years to build this temple, and will you take it up? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And you see, like a lot of Christians today, and this is all going to be part of the puzzle, they're looking at a material temple. And the Jews were looking at the material temple and said, 46 years was this temple being built? But he's not talking about the material temple. He's talking about the temple of his body. They are looking at the wrong temple like a lot of Christians today. Now, so what a, what a meeting that must have been when Jesus came in, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. If I die before I wake, please leave me a piece of cake. I mean, there's none of that. I mean, he's just cleansing the temple, whipping them all out. Doves are flying everywhere. The oxen are bellowing. Kids are grabbing the money, looking for a milkshake. Uh, you know, there's n none of this stuff that we see in some of the Sunday school books today. Now, three and a half years later, he'd been ministering the temple on and off periodically. Three and a half years later, we go to Matthew chapter 21. Let's go back to Matthew now. And we have the second cleansing of the temple. Matthew chapter 20, uh, 21. But, but there's going to be a change, as we'll see in a moment. Matthew chapter 21. And uh, just uh, quickly for time here, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the ta tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then, when he cleansed the temple, the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, uh, they said, Glory, hallelujah. No, they were indignant and said, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Uh, the second cleansing. So the same things that had caused him to cleanse the temple at the beginning of his ministry now uh, happen again over the years. They bring in all these things. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 23 in the next part of our puzzle. Matthew chapter 23 and uh, we'll pick up in verse 37. In verse 37 and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Now note the change of language in verse 38. He says, see, your house is left unto you desolate. Now you see, in the beginning of his ministry, he said, my father's house, my father's house. At the, the second cleansing, he said, my father's house, my father's house, a house of prayer, house of prayer for all nations. But now he changes the language and I want you to notice, that because I believe the Bible is inspired, how many could say amen? He said, your house. It's no longer my father's house. Your house is left unto you desolate. Then go to 
verse 1 of chapter 24. There were no chapters when John, uh, when Matthew wrote it. And I want you to note the language. It's what I call a physical symbolic act. Then Jesus, so if you can sort of look at me if I can, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. You remember we read in the, uh, in, in the Chronicles, and the glory of God departed from the temple. See, Jesus himself is the glory of God. The, they never could understand the prophecy in Haggai, which says, and the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former. And those who had seen Solomon's temple or heard of it, they said, how can it be? They couldn't understand. But when Jesus came, he was the glory of God personified. He was the temple of God. When he ministered in the temple, but now he's ministered in the temple over three and a half years, they rejected the first cleansing, they rejected the second cleansing, and now he says, your house is left unto you desolate. And the word desolate means uh, Ichabod, glory of God, departing. And so we have this physical symbolic act in verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Jesus went out, and the same language is used, and departed from the temple. Now, not only does he depart from the temple, listen to what happens in the next couple of verses. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, See you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, or assuredly I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So Jesus went out. He went out and departed from the temple. Your house, no longer my father's house, your house is left unto you desolate. And then he prophesied the temple's destruction. Do you think what's happened in Ezekiel's time? He sees the glory of God and the glory departs. And isn't it significant in the rest of the Gospels you see how Jesus went over the brook Kidron to pray and then he's crucified. But he says, your house, rejection and prophesies the destruction of the temple. That's the, the, the picture we have. So five steps. Now, let me just finish on this part here uh, before we um, come to the next part. Why the glory departed. So, it's very important because in the light of Ezekiel's temple, chapters 1 to 11, the material temple and the departing glory, which never ever returned again, then the new temple that's at the end of Ezekiel, is it a literal temple or is it pointing to the church? What's it all about? Uh, here's the picture we have. I want to show you how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit finish with material temples. All right, number one. How did the father testify that he was finished with the temple? The temple in the time of Christ. That was, and the only reason the temple was rebuilt and restored was to hold the people of Judah there until Jesus came. Because the last prophecy of Malachi was, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. But who may abide the day of his coming? And when he came to his temple and cleansed the temple, they rejected the cleansing. So because they rejected the cleansing twice, at uh, the beginning and end of his ministry, he said, your house desolate and not one stone will be unturned upon another. Okay, so number one, let's see how the, the father finished with the temple. When Jesus was hanging out on Calvary, I would not like to have been the priest on duty in the, in the material temple because as he's offering the evening sacrifice, all of a sudden God the Father just tore the temple of the veil from top to bottom not from bottom to top from top to bottom and it's like he said to the priest on duty boys you're out of a job my sacrifice is out there on Calvary my priesthood is out there it's the order of Melchizedek I'm finished with the Levitical priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood bells and smells and incense and nonsense I'm finished with it all and he tore the veil from top to bottom. So God the Father showed that he was finished with the temple. The sad part is it that the, the Jews sewed up the temple to hide the fact from the people that God had rent the veil and made the way into the holiest of all open. They sewed it up and carried on the abominable system until A.D. 70 when God allowed the Roman army to come in and smash the temple and destroy the whole thing. 
It just sort of helps you to understand Ezekiel, what he's seeing, the departing glory, and the Babylon captivity, restoration of the temple to hold the Jews till Jesus came, and then Jesus' ministry in the temple and finish with it. All right, number two, how did the Lord Jesus Christ finish with the temple? All right, he finished with the temple by his own sacrifice because when he was hanging on the cross, uh, he had already said, your house is left unto you desolate, it's finished with it, and uh, uh, prophesied its destruction. So Jesus finished with it. On the day of Pentecost, what did the Holy Spirit do? When the Holy Spirit came rushing down from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire that should kind of glorify. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of imagining here, but it's good, it's, it's sound theology. Holy Spirit thought, well, the Father's finished with the temple. He tore the veil from top to bottom. The son has finished with the temple. He said, your house is left unto your death. It prophesied his destruction. No use me going to there. And so the Holy Spirit came to the upper room to 120 disciples, baptized them with the Holy Spirit and dedicated the church, the new covenant temple. That's the picture. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit finished with the material temple, never to return to a temple again, a material temple. And remember that when the, the temple was destroyed in AD 70, the Jews have never had a material temple since. So you've got to keep all those things in mind when we come to Ezekiel chapters 40 and 48. Okay, now, just before we take a break here, while the time goes, uh, I want, we want to ask this question and answer this. Why did the glory of God depart from the material temple. Now there's two chapters I want you to put down and I want to give you two dates because this is the picture we've got to have. Remember, we said the three prophets of the Babylonian captivity were Ezekiel, uh, Jerusalem, uh, pardon me, Jeremiah who's up in Jerusalem, Ezekiel who's down in Babylon, and Daniel who's down in Babylon. Okay, so they are the three major prophets, so to speak, of the Babylonian captivity. All right, now, uh, put down uh, Jeremiah, uh, no, let's see, uh, let's go first, uh, put down his, no, we better do it that way, okay, <laughs> I'm allowed to change my mind, aren't I? Uh, put down Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 16, and the approximate date of, for this, as you'll see, is uh, B.C. 600, about there. Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 to 16. And Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. Then put down Ezekiel chapter 8 and the approximate date BC 594, just within a few years there. BC 594, Ezekiel chapter 8, and Ezekiel's down in, in uh, Babylon. Okay, now let's go to Jeremiah quickly. Only got a few minutes before we give you a break. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 7. And uh, no, no, notice what the people are doing here. Uh, we'll read verse 1 and uh, paraphrase a little bit because of time here. We're just about ready for our break. So the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They're, they're idolizing a building. And he's saying, as he stands in the Lord's gate, don't say trust in lying words, say the temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord are these four. Note the four ifs. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress a stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after the other gods uh, to your hurt, then, if, if, then, so it's conditional, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave uh, to your fathers forever and ever. And then he goes through, and uh, we haven't got time to do this, but for the more serious student, he goes... Uh, through ten sins they are guilty of. 
Will you, verse 8, you trust in lying words that cannot prompt. Will you steal? Do not steal. Murder. Do not murder. Commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. They're, they're com breaking commandment after commandment there. And then he says in verse 10, and come and stand before me in this house which is called my name and see where we are delivered to do all these abominations. And Jesus quotes this one. Is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I've seen it, says the Lord. But go now to my place which was in Shiloh where I set my name at the first and see what I did to it for the wickedness of the pe people of Israel. And in verse 14, he says, Therefore will I do to this house, which is called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and your father, says, I've done back to Shiloh. You need to go back to, and I'll cast you out of my sight, and I'll cast you out, uh, all, out all your brethren, even the whole city of Abraham. And what the worst thing is now, God says to Jeremiah, Quit praying. Therefore, pray not for this people nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession of me, because I will not hear you. That's what Jeremiah is do, uh, doing up in Jerusalem. Let's go over quickly to Ezekiel chapter 8. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 8. And what you'll find here, that Jer uh, Ezekiel is having a vision of the house of the Lord and the departing glory that we've gone through. And he sees in this chapter, I can only just sort of say <coughs> the outline, pardon me, uh, the four great abominations that are in the house of the Lord. So you'll notice abomination number one is in verse four and five. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision that I'd seen in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north, uh, so I lifted up mine eyes by the, the way toward the north and behold northward at the gate of the altar this image of jealousy in the entry so number one an image of jealousy number two the second abomination is found in verse six and he said furthermore to, unto me son of man uh, let me go over here Yes, he said, Son of man, uh, see, do you see what they do here? Even the great abominations that the house of the Lord commits here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But turn yet again, and you'll see greater abominations. Verse 7. Then he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I digged in the wall, a door. And he said, Go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do there. And here we see all kinds of creeping things painted on the house of the Lord and the walls. And Jezaniah standing there. And then he goes, verse 13, time. He said to me, turn yet again and you'll see greater abominations that they do. And when he came into the gate of the Lord's house, what does he see? The people weeping for Tamaz, queen of heaven. Worship of Mary, modern day. And then verse uh, 17, you'll see greater abominations. And what are they doing? They're worshipping the sun. All right, let me sort of ra wrap it up here. Jeremiah talks about all the abominations, the violation of the commandments, uh, that God causes God's glory to go. And then uh, Ezekiel is seeing these abominations in the house of the Lord, the temple of God. All right. So what am I saying here as we wrap up this session? It is sin that causes God to leave different churches and denominations. I'm sorry to say this, but we're not playing church. What do you do about it's hitting Australia? It's hit America. What do you do about Pentecostal homosexual churches? How many think that could be an abomination? Hey, they prophesy, offer, uh, operate gifts of the Spirit. What about all the weird and false doctrines that are sneaking into the church? They could list a whole lot. I don't need to insult your intelligence. These are the things that concern me. 
<clears throat> that the early church was filled with the glory of God, the presence of God. But over the years, as in Solomon's temple, abominations gradually got in. And finally, it caused God to leave. So I'm thinking of what's happening to some denominations. Some in Australia are just closing down. <clears throat> People are voting with their feet. They say, why? I was invited to speak at a uh, particular denomination, I won't say here, and uh, they were going to ordain a homosexual minister. What would you do? I cancelled the invitation, said thanks, but no thanks. Hey, these are the things. Idolatry, evils, immorality. Uh, what do we do with churches now in Australia, and uh, particularly America, that are marrying same-sex marriage? Do you think it's an abomination? Yeah, see, it's tough to talk about these things and not the shouting type of meaning, but these are the facts. These are the things that leave, cause God's glory to leave. leave. So I want to be in a church that serves the Lord, makes room for the presence of God, and remember, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I want to be in a holy church where God's presence and glory can be here and people can come in and be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can say amen. Okay, I've gone beyond our time a little bit here. Uh, Ten minutes break. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.